This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer with Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hi, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer here at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto. And hey, everybody, I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Today, we are so honored to have a good friend, Karen Gadette, uh, that's the author of Steady Work. Karen has over 30 years experience leading, training and coaching high performance teams of staff and executives in rapid growth environments. Most recently, she was a regional director of licensed operations, Starbucks Coffee Company. She built a consistent track record of growing the number of retail stores along with the continuous improvement capabilities of people. Today, Karen is with Lean Enterprise Institute as a leader overseeing operations and personnel. Welcome, Karen. It's great to be here. Karen, um... I just want to thank you once again for being here, and I also want to thank you for for taking the time out a, a few months ago to uh, spend some time with our uh, BMS assessors and, and and go through ambassadors, excuse me, and go through your book. And I want you to know that I really enjoyed your book for for a few reasons. And as Skip said before we started recording, it, it it's a it's an easy read, but it's also it's a great comeback story about about Starbucks and also you throw in a lot of a lot of personal stuff uh, dealing with the uh, the Sandy Hook tragedy which we might talk about here in a little bit but one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about was you guys went through some lean times back around mm -hmm. 2008 2009 and and on a personal note I can remember that that every year my family goes we go on vacation down in Rosemary Beach, which is in the panhandle of Florida. Nice. And and there was a Starbucks there. And, you know, for several years, my kids, every day, they were going to Starbucks and start, you know, costing me an arm and a leg. And one <laughs> year, it may have been 2009, 2010, we went down there and all of a sudden the Starbucks was gone. Oh. And, you know, I started thinking, I have never, ever heard of a Starbucks closing but that was when when Starbucks wasn't doing so well. And but you guys made a tremendous comeback and you talk about it in your book. And one thing that Starbucks prides itself on and focuses on is the entire the entire customer experience, mm -hmm. meaning not only getting that perfect cup of coffee or that perfect latte, but also at the same time having a, a perfect experience why they're doing that and you, you talk about y'all's new back when you guys were making your comeback your your playbook or your new management system and i would like to know you talk about using standardization and mm -hmm. i would be interested in knowing how you guys used standardization on the technical side of of making that cup of coffee to enhance the entire customer experience could, okay. Could you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's fun to hear you uh, reminisce about your visits with your family in Florida, and then all of a sudden have a location that was wasn't there. And um, I I can remember the experience myself up in New England, um, being a leader of the business at that period of time. And as you know, normal course of business, um, 
you know, the portfolio of, of cafes is assessed regularly to see which ones are overperforming or underperforming. And, and that, that opportunity to potentially close certain locations exists. During that period of time in 2008, um, kind of the, the bigger macro economy and, um, and what that was doing to the um, cafes themselves as we had kind of lost our way quite a bit. So as much as we had been uh, focused in on our products and the, and the coffees and the different product lines, what we recognized um, and became brutally aware of was the waste that was in the system. And for us that showed up in uh, via uh, coffee waste. So the direct physical coffee waste. So we were brewing too much coffee um, and throwing that out. We were grinding too much coffee and not using it. And at the same time, the customer, so as the customer came in and was requesting certain coffee, we didn't have it available. So the two things were not matching up in regards to what we were trying to deliver from a product perspective or what the customer was coming and requesting for and our inability to actually deliver that. And um, when we recognized during that period of time that the two things were not matching up, we started to take a really hard look at the work. And <clears throat> not to oversimplify it, but it it really was going to go see and observe how to brew coffee. And um, the every single uh, work element that it takes to brewing coffee, and that that includes everything from pulling down the filter and putting it into the basket, scooping the right amount of coffee and putting it into the grinder and have that grind to the certain amount of weight so that it gets put into the basket, that gets put into the machine, you hit the button, it brews for a certain period of time, it has a specific water temperature to it. So the quality um, expectations of the coffee are met. And then once that coffee is brewed, actually only holding it for a 30 minute period of time so that um, certain, you know, the coffee isn't held longer than it should so that the quality of it isn't degraded. And then, enabling um, the cafe barista to actually, when the customer shows up in front of the counter and they request a particular coffee, having that coffee fresh, hot, in a quality way available for the customer at that period of time. Uh, so we took um, uh, a very detailed look at all of the steps of the work and all of the, the, the components each individual needed to take in order to serve the customer what they were looking for with coffee. That's a, a long way to get to the answer of your question. And that is without actually recognizing that we didn't understand the basic components of how to do that work. So in one cafe, there may be six, seven, eight baristas that do the exact same work. Each one of them would be doing that differently. We didn't fully recognize that until we were really hit with the strong problem in 2008, recognizing the coffee waste, which drove us in as leaders to actually go understand the problems that we didn't really understand. We thought we knew them, but we didn't really know them until we went to go see them. And as we went to do that observation on the work in such a detailed fashion, we recognized that everyone was doing the work in a different way. Um, which made it very difficult to actually sustain the problem solving process. So when we thought problems would get solved, they would crop back up. Um, and 
all of those um, approaches led us to coming up with basic work routines. So before we could actually fully standardize how each component of work was done, we started off by a common routine so that each person who was doing similar work would follow a similar routine so we could try and stabilize how that work was getting done. The power that came from that from a leadership perspective and being able to actually now see the work being done in a common way alongside of those who were doing that work, we could now actually increase the productivity of our problem solving. So not only did it really improve the experience for the customer because they had what they needed when they wanted it and it was available in a quality way, but also all of the different baristas that were doing that work could count on a repeatable way to do that work, which we didn't realize this going into it, but but through it and as time went on, we recognized how much it freed up their mind share to be able to connect differently with the customer. So the entire customer experience was enhanced by actually getting close to understanding the details of the work, creating a routine and standardizing that work and stabilizing it and then enabling the team members and the leaders to actually observe the problems in the work in a similar way. That, that's really great. And HF, uh, I'm kind of there with your children. I have been going to Starbucks <laughs> almost every day, sometimes multiple times a day for a while now. So yeah, yeah they get a lot of my salary. Um, <laughs> I, and it is remarkable just how consistent the experience is, no matter which store you go to. Um, and I don't think I really appreciated the consistency in, in the actual coffee until mm. my wife convinced me to get an ex espresso machine for Christmas. And so we, we did that over Christmas. And now I'm at home trying to make my own uh, lattes <laughs> or flat whites. And uh, that's where your book really came in handy, gave me some tips. That's um, great. <laughs> okay, I still can't get the flat white uh, quite the way I like it, uh, but uh, I'm getting there. But it really is challenging to, you know, it seems like it would be very easy to get that standardized and not that many variations on how you can make the drink, but it, it turns out there's an infinite number of ways you can make it. One of the things in the book that I really liked and kind of um, aligns well with, with my role is where you were talking about in the beginning, um, the initial strategy, I guess, of Starbucks of kind of uh, implementing strategies from a top-down approach as a, as opposed mm -hmm. to kind of the locally grown solutions and strategies. And we run into that a lot in healthcare mm. where we try to implement from the top down. And, you know, we, uh, Baptist has, uh, you know, 22 different hospitals, uh, dozens more clinics, um, lots of different providers, um, and, and they all have local flavors. And so can you just talk a little bit about kind of that push and pull between um, need for local variation versus need for standardization across the entire system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, uh, so across the organization, um, it was, I guess you could you could say it was centralized in so much as corporate headquarters exists in Seattle. Outside of Seattle, there are different zones and divisions across the U.S. and and really across the globe, but for this purpose let's talk about um so across the us and inside there there's divisions and then it breaks down into regions and so in my specific example i had responsibility for uh just over 100 plus locations and across new england and 
so even in the same city, let's just say, whether it was it's like uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, or um, in the Boston area, um, there might be multiple locations, right? That on the surface, a first glance, you may think they have the same customer base. They sell the same kind of product mix or have the same demand on the same type of products that we're delivering. So um, whether that's the different types of brewed coffee or food items that are available, right? Um, but it turns out they, they're also very different, right? And so not only are they different in regards to their physical setup, but the actual customer demand on the different products is different. So you may have one location that has that sells um, more brewed coffee than any other product that they sell. And you might have a location right up the street that actually sells more espresso beverages, right? So based on kind of our approach to actually better understand the details of that work and their what we would call the product mix, so the different mix of things that customers were requesting or needed, um, that helped us understand what were some of the base standards that needed to exist from an organizational perspective inside of either the drink recipe, right, and or within the service experience. So that might be a uh, specific work standard. So that could be the temperature of the water needed to be a certain temp in order to uphold quality, right? The grind measure on the different coffees needed to be um, set to a certain weight, right? The um, calibration of the grind in the espresso machine um, needed to be maintained at a very specific rate in order to ensure the quality. Those decisions were made at the enterprise level or the organizational level, and they weren't not that we couldn't provide input on those, right? Because we were always trying to improve and solve problems, but we all recognize that those were um, organizational level standards that needed to get escalated and um, solved for at the enterprise level, at the executive leadership level. What we then also recognized was that at the local level, the individual location level, there were such variation in the physical layout and that product mix, certain components needed to be flexible, right? And so within that standardized work and work routine, there were fixed elements and there were flexible elements. And we all knew what those things were so that the team members or baristas, shift supervisors and managers inside each cafe knew that they were focused in on solving certain levels of problems. So let's say it was um, the location of the oven maybe couldn't get moved, but within the routine of who was supposed to do that work needed to shift because it didn't make sense because the oven was at the far location of the cafe and it wasn't up close where it was in other locations. So it became obvious to us that certain things needed to be flexible. Um, work standards needed to stay fixed because they were um, they were critical to the food safety or the safety of the customer or the quality elements that couldn't couldn't get changed from location to location. What what ended up happening through kind of understanding those things was that many of the baristas actually appreciated having more clarity around what was actually something they could give input on and actually solve for when there were problems at the local level or within the work itself. Managers um, developed a management system and an ability to actually 
capture those problems, engage with their team members on a very different level. And then it became really clear on what type of system level problems needed to get escalated because the standardized work into each component became abundantly clear. That was that was not clear prior to that because many people were doing the same work differently. All right, so once that got stable, that problem solving process on all of that became very clear. That's Jake, that's a lot like our, our clinical standards committee, uh, Karen, yeah. and with our, in our electronic medical record, we have what we call order sets. Okay. And for instance, we have a congestive heart failure order set and an acute myocardial infarction order set. And there are some standards that we want to meet in the treatment of those conditions. And when an order set is being uh, created, there's a clinical standard committee and they said, okay, every hospital in your congestive heart failure order set, you have to have these standards. But yes. at an entity level, there are some things that, that we leave some wiggle worm, excuse me, wiggle room to let, to let them uh, kind of customize and even on down to the individual physician level to let them personalize it. So it's, it sounds very similar. Yeah, it was really empowering because there, prior to kind of having the work routines or standardized work, it could be super confusing. And the team members that are trying to navigate that work and do it right, because they're, they're trying to perform well and they're being held accountable to doing it well. And if all things going well, then we're getting an actual good business result, right? The community is being well served, the business is being well served, and the team members are doing well. And so once we started to stabilize that, they recognized how much more they enjoyed their work because they weren't wrapped up in trying to solve problems that were outside their control. So it became really clear for them what they could control, what they couldn't control, and how to go at solving some of those problems um, versus it was frustrating prior to that. And the customer was feeling that frustration as well, too. So not only was the customer getting an inconsistent experience, um, and even within the same location, depending on who was doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. If they didn't even have to go down the street to get an inconsistent situation. Um, and then it, it may depend on what time of day you come into the, could be a different the store. Day. You could, you could get a different drink. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. And it really, really helped build the capability of leadership. So myself part and parcel, um, really grew my leadership ability, not only to be able to solve critical business problems and recognize who should be solving what type of problem and getting the appropriate resources in place and mobilized pretty quickly, um, which played out during, um, the Newtown, um, incident as just one example, but there were many and, um, their, the ability for me to then develop others in that problem solving process, we, we developed a common coaching routine, right? And um, a people development process in, in that, which all of that stabilization, stabilization of the work enabled all of those things to happen. It wouldn't have happened without the standardization like we had it. That, can you talk a little bit more about that, that coaching and the stabilization uh, mm -hmm. piece? I think that's really important. So. In, in the book, you talk about implementing the playbook and then how some facilities or some markets would, I guess, backslide into old ways and you would go back and observe them doing things that were kind of outside of the of the playbook. We, we experience this in healthcare all the time. Mm -hmm. um, we will implement something new, something exciting, 
people will do it at first, um, but then maybe six months to a year later, they're kind of back to doing their same things. And, and we're not as good, in, in my opinion, as making things stick and going back and, and doing what you're talking about. So please share with the audience what y'all did. Yeah, I, I'm happy to because it, it is a, it is a formidable challenge. Uh, uh, I know myself was I was challenged with it. Um, all of my peers were challenged with it. Um, and it it helps us recognize to this day, I, I think about it almost daily, um, how important a management system is that is grounded in the work improvement. And they are completely interdependent with each other. You cannot have one without the other, whether it's operational standardization of the work without a management system or try and implement a management system without improving work in some way and standardizing it, creating some type of stable standard routine or you know stabilizing that for people so that they can effectively problem solve. I mean, the level of productivity for a leader to be able to put um, you know, problem solving to play um, and it is instrumentally better based off of the management system that's created. And so um, what we realized is that the entire behavior change as a leader um, is, is real and it, it's significant. And number one, first admitting, I actually don't know how the work is done. I'm actually leading all of these people. And I can't imagine in healthcare with the level of speciality um, to all of the components of work, how challenging that must be to be able to say, you know, I really actually don't know what the work is. So first I need to, one, admit that, two, go see it. Like I need to actually go see. I think I can understand the problem that I'm making a lot of assumptions. So let me go see and stand side by side with you and go see it. Now that I can see it together, can we see it in the same way? If we can, that's great. If we can't, maybe we should create a routine or a standard way to do the work so that we can start seeing it the same way. Because then as problems show up, they'll start showing up and we can see them the same way. And I can now be an effective coach on what is the problem? What should it look like? If it was happening properly, what would it look like? How would we know that? Like, how could we measure it, right? Now we're on the same page and we're of what I like to call of like mind, right? And so I'm now a better service to you as the leader, right? And you are likely less frustrated and maybe appreciate a little bit more the value that I can add back into the system because I actually now understand the work enough so that I can coach it. Not because I'm gonna do it every day, but so that I can actually ask somewhat knowledgeable questions that are open and not from a place of arrogant assumption, but from a place of actually wanting to understand because I want to help make it better. Because if I make your work better, the customer is going to feel the benefit of that, right? You're going to develop and be in a better position. And so is the customer. Um, it is a tremendous level of learning that we all needed to go through. Actually, I was talking with someone the other day about a similar situation. It's like, I'll never forget that moment, that aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, we have an entire organization, at, at least at least half to be conservative of leaders that really don't understand the work. But in, in your case, you, you talk about in the book, how how many stores were you over? Was it a hundred or uh, maybe yeah. even more? Yeah. And you talked about how you guys had to go into 
maybe not even in your own territory, maybe in a different territory, and you had to go in and you had to demonstrate how to make a latte. Uh, how, t- tell us about that. How, and, and I think you talked about how nervous you were. About oh, it was terrifying. That. Oh, it's terrifying. Oh, it's terrifying. I mean, I, here, I, here I was for years, right, making decisions at a leadership level that impacted everyone I was going in to go see. And, and so I really had to take a check on my ego and, and how, how I defined how I was successful. And so I was terrified, um, but I mustered the courage to do it. And I, I adopted a way of simply saying, you know, I really don't know. And I don't, but I, but I want to learn. And I know that how critical it is for me to understand in order to actually be better at what I'm doing. And my role is to lead the business, right? So that you can do your work well, so that the business can prosper and the customers can receive the right experience. And so making those connections differently again for the first time um, was an incredible transformative experience. It took a lot of courage. I was proud of myself that I did it um, and I wasn't the only one. There's many of my, we all went through it. Um, and it was one of the best decisions our organization made was that we were gonna have a leader led approach. We weren't gonna call in a training team to do it. They were gonna help us and coach us. However, we were gonna own it because there was there was no way that we could be successful without recognizing if it's going to change, it's gonna be up to me. And that starts with me. And that starts with my ability to be vulnerable and authentic and, and openly admit, you know, actually, it's not my work. I don't do it every day. I don't remember how to steam milk perfectly, um, but I know how important it is. And I know how important it is for the two of us to be better at this. So I'm going to, I'm going to learn. That's great. Now, I wonder if we could do the same thing in healthcare. HF, do you think I could come to the Soto and uh, show you how to do a lot of I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I, I might get uh, my license taken away if I try to do that. <laughs> but you know, we hinted on this earlier when you were talking about Sandy Hook, but one of the things that I thought was really remarkable earlier in the pandemic was uh, what Starbucks did, I guess, to prepare for the pandemic and how it, similar it was across stores and how you were still able to make uh, you know, kind of the consistent product. Um, but can you just, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how at the system level and at the local level, you know, responded to different uh, challenges, like, uh, you know, something as serious as Sandy Hook or, or something as national as the, as the pandemic and what your, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how your system, I guess, your management system allowed you to, to handle those things? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, uh, I can share what my experience was, and then I can share or project what I, I'm sure that they're going through or have been going through in this past year in regards to the pandemic, um, given how embedded the problem solving process is now in the corporate culture. And um, so through the period of time of understanding the work and standardizing the work and the entire transformation and developing the management system that enabled us to kind of coach problem solving and build capability and and kind of audit the health of the system. Um, We built problem solving capability. So we that included how to assess a problem, whose role is it, right? So who's what is the problem first, how to identify the problem, 
where does the problem exist? Is it is it within the work, right? Or is it a system level problem? And then depending on those two things, what's my role in the problem solving process? Is it a, is it a problem that I own solving or is it my role to facilitate the problem solving process? And um, basically the, the capabilities, um, skills, all of the developments um, that, that began to take place for everybody within the organization was tied to the ability to solve problems either at my level or facilitate other people's ability to problem solve. And so in order to respond to crisis, um, so prior to the Sandy Hook incident, there was a hurricane that um, hit uh, the Long Island, uh, Southern Connecticut coast, and it happened at high tide and basically flooded um, New York, uh, Manhattan, lower Connecticut. Um, and that was like the, the first kind of major emergency that was happening that hit a large group of uh, locations that we started to recognize we're actually approaching problem solving on a system level or a crisis level very differently. And so what would have happened previous to our capability, we might've jumped on the phone. What's the problem, what's going on? Made a lot of assumptions based off of what we thought was happening. But what we learned was that there's a problem. It's in a crisis situation. We need to get with the people that are on the front line and actually understand what's going on with the problem. So first we have got to go in and understand the problem and work with those who are right on the front line to understand the problem deeply and then come back together and start to figure out how to respond to that problem. Um, so in the example of the hurricane that flooded uh, the southern part of Connecticut and New York City at that time, um, there was extreme distribution issues. So first it was, was everybody safe? And um, how do we get food actually to the locations that have power? Because everyone in the communities who lost power flooded the Starbucks in order to get Wi-Fi and electricity, right? Mm -hmm. And so the distribution issues that came to play were critical. Go forward in that into New Newtown, it was exponentially more critical, but the same process happened. How do we get on-site? Is everybody safe? Now, how do we start to understand actually the problems in the moment of time? What can I solve as a leader of the system? What are the problems that the baristas and the managers needed to solve based off the local community and what they were dealing with and what they needed? So listening and not making assumptions and then acting swiftly once you understood. Well, Karen, wow, that our time is, I didn't realize it's went so quickly and this, I can sure did. For, for hours. And actually, when I leave here, you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't know if Jake will, but I think I'm going to go get myself a double dirty chai. And, there you uh, go. <laughs> do, do you know what that is, Dr. Lancaster? I know what a chai latte is. It's a, it's a chai latte. I used to get two shots of espresso. I now get three. And so, so uh, but uh, and the best one is the pumpkin chai. That's really good. So, good. well, listen, Karen, thank you so much for being a wonderful friend. Thank you for giving back to healthcare. Uh, thank you for a great book. I would highly recommend it. And just once again, thank you so much, my friend. Absolutely. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you all. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Yeah.